Greetings, friends and lovers. Welcome to episode 91 of the Finger Guns podcast. My name is Roscoe. How are you doing? I am joined by Mr. Toby Anderson. Evening. How are you, Captain? Uh, I'm pretty good. I've just got some new pyjama bottoms come through the post really late this evening. And they're <laughs> soft and they're lovely and I'm wearing them now. Oh, lovely. <laughs> nice. Isn't that great when you get new shorts or new trousers or something and it's like, um... I'm just they're wearing them. Yeah, they're lovely. Very soft, checkered. Nice. I like them. Because you work from home, I presume, at the moment, right? Uh, yeah, I've been working from home pretty much the entire, all three lockdowns. So they, do you wear them like throughout the day? Some days I do, but it's not, I'm, I'm not someone who sits around in their PJs all the time. Um, oh, okay. I do like to get dressed so I feel like I'm actually having a work day. Otherwise, I do fucking nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting so you need to get into the men like the mentality I need to get into, of yeah working. exactly i need to right. get in the headspace a little bit otherwise i won't do very much i see fair enough i need to learn what that is uh mr paul collett hello sir hello mate how are you i'm good i'm also excited i have um i i sort of ordered a robot hoover today for some reason no way so i'm excited for that to come tomorrow so uh I, I, I've kind of done my back the last two weeks. I've not been able to clean the flat. It's been absolute pigsty. So I spent hours yesterday mm. cleaning it. Yeah, it's still dirty on the floor because crumbs and everything. So I thought, you know what? Robot Hoover's way forward. <laughs> Obviously. PS5s, <laughs> MacBooks, Robot Hoovers. Uh, my, my flat is becoming like the autonomous symbiote. Yeah, right. Myself. You are living in the future, my friend. I love it. Love it. And Mr. Sean Davies. Hey, me ducks. Hey, me duck. You know, Chuck. <laughs> I'm all right, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I want to apologize for my audio quality this week because my microphone apparently is uh, whistling like a songbird. So I've chosen to go laptop mic only and it's it's not as good as it always is. I apologize for that. But we're just going to have to make our peace with it. Or I am anyway. It's going to annoy me in the edit. I know it will, but we can move past it. But other than that, I'm fine. Thanks for asking. You haven't got a story this week, Sean? I'm sad you haven't. Uh, no, I haven't. I was going to say I don't have any new pajamas. Mm. I don't have a a Roomba to hoover up. I just have five kids. Um, if, <laughs> if you get a chance, Paul, there's a, there's a game coming to like everything called uh, Roombo, which is basically a um, a robotic Hoover that has to kill people invading its home. It looks very fun. Right. Just just be careful, you know. Well, that'll give, that'll give you nightmares about your Hoover, yeah. <laughs> well, well, no, it's quite simple. Just don't invade my house. Yeah. Oh, I love that as well. Yeah. <laughs> the guard Hoover. Why not? The guard Hoover. I put a wall in the front door. That means I'm covered in legally, so it's fine. Can I imagine someone storming through Paul's door, him on the sofa, not being able to get up because his back's fucked? He walks in and he's like, oh, what do you mean? We're taking everything. <laughs> oh. oh, why would you do that? What do you mean? And then the Roomba attacks the station. Oh, <laughs> Roomba, <fuck>. attack! <laughs> 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 full timeless turrets of missiles or something oh i love it all right then let's crack on with our games of the week so i'll go from the top but toby anderson what's your game of the week uh, really the only game i've been playing this week is sekiro pretty much constantly so all my all my gaming time is going into practicing against what are probably the hardest bosses on any game ever it's definitely harder than Bloodborne and Code Vein that I was using as my prep to get onto this game. It's a completely different system. I know I just started it last week when we were talking, but yeah, the parrying thing is 
it's so much more involved. You've got to parry every single thrust of every, and you know, every single swipe of swords. And it's just crazy. You can't do the rolling gameplay that you do in Bloodborne and, and Code Vein and Dark Souls and such. Um, so I've spent a long time, hours actually, practicing particular bosses. So there's one, like the third boss um, is a guy at the top of a top of a castle who's like a sword-wielding samurai lord. And he is so ridiculously hard. Um, you have to practice and practice and practice, get every single parry down to like muscle memory. And that took <laughs> took a good three or four hours of practice on two different evenings before I could actually properly beat him. But when I beat him, I beat him really convincingly. And that's what's, that's what's kind of satisfying about the whole thing is that I've done that with a number of bosses now. I've practiced for, you know, an hour and then been able to beat them really, really well. And I'm like, ah, you know, you, you, you learned it correctly. You got the right way of doing it. I didn't, didn't, I've not cheesed very many of them at all, um, which I'm quite proud of. Um, but my wife says she hates Sekiro. Um, she says that it makes me angry. <laughs> she said heard more shouting at the uh, TV than she has on almost any game for years. Um, and she says she can look <laughs> up. She says she, she looks up from what she's doing, and then she looks up again an hour later, and it's the same boss. I'm running away from the same <laughs> ape again, and I'm like, <laughs> yes, because I'm practicing it for an hour and a half. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I think I'm I'm almost at the final stretch on uh, Sekiro. So I was going to tell Greg I was nearly near near the end. I've done I've done some prep for the endings because I, I I got a guide. I, I I looked at a guide when I was about halfway through, so that I wouldn't miss anything. Um, but I hadn't really been using one much until that point. And then I had to go back and find all these things and items I needed. Um, so I've got all the endings prepped. So I should be on track for doing at least three quarters of all the stuff you need to do in the first playthrough. And then I can hopefully get a platinum on the second one if I can be bothered to go through it all again. But yeah, wow. it's good. It's good. Nice. I like it. Nice work, man. That's very uh, quick progress for Game with Sekiro. I think with a bit of with a pla- bit of planning, same as same as um, Bloodborne, you can crack out the platinum without more than a couple of playthroughs. But mm. I know Greg's like on his sixth or something, but he's just doing them for fun now. I think he only needed three for his for pl- for the platinum. Um, right. But yeah, you can do it with two if you're uh, if you're really careful. Hmm. We don't talk enough about Sekiro on this podcast. <laughs> how uh, how is Bloodborne <laughs> going? Uh, I will talk about it uh, shortly, for sure. Okay, uh, Mr. Paul Collett, your game of the week. Oh, so I have two. I'll let you guys choose A or B. Now, one's saying I'm going to say yes, it's great, and the other one I'll sort of really lay into. So, what should it be? Both. Go. No, that's not allowed. It's cheating. Now, I want to know what game you think is great because that's a rarer thing than the <laughs> game you think is rubbish. Oh, okay, so the game I've been playing this week mostly is Days Gone. Um, I mentioned last week that it's obviously free on the PlayStation Plus collection. So uh, I had it before, but I didn't really like it. I didn't enjoy it, so I didn't really go, go through it too well. Um, so I thought I'd download it again, give it another go a blast. It's been uh, PS5 updated, it looks utterly gorgeous, um, and it plays really well. I don't know why I didn't like it first time around, but... Um, I'm really enjoying it this time. It's got some really cool mechanics, um, and I think a few other open-world games can learn a thing or two from this game. Um, and uh, yeah, it's really good. It's like it's, it's like Walking Dead, and it's, it's a shame this didn't do so well um, uh, when it came came out first time round because um, it's probably um, been overlooked quite a bit. But I don't know if it had the Walking Dead uh, like titles, then it would probably fly off the shelves and write it so. But it's it's really good. You can just like you know 
do what you've got to do, uh, kill zombies, run from zombies, and there's not much else to it. But um, yeah, it's good. I'm really enjoying it. That's my good, good time game at the moment. Nice. And Sean Davies, your game of the week, sir. My game of the week is called Override 2, which came out on all the, the consoles. Robot mecha thing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm, I'm going through the mounted of games that I've got to review, and this is one of them. And surprisingly good. It's not perfect, uh, but it, I have dealt with it much better than I did the first one. I found the first one to be sluggish and overcomplicated. It had some you know, good bits to it, but it, it wasn't, wasn't for me. And what I will say is that if you did like the first one, then you probably won't like the second one. And that's because they've they basically turned it into a fighting game. Um, there's combos, there's no overheating, there's no charging of attacks. It's all basically kind of button mashing and combos. And for me, it's it's kind of mecha game that I actually wanted. Uh, it, it's not very deep, I would say. There's like 30 mechs in the game, and all of them have basically four attacks and kind of like four special attacks that combine those attacks and an ultimate, and that's pretty much it. Uh, they all, all, all the mechs have similar button presses but do different moves, but it, it's, it's, it's not as deep. But when you're actually fighting, when you're actually bashing, you know, in, so like say you're playing as Ultraman, which is like the, the bonus character, and you're like beating up a giant guy that looks like Optimus Prime, the thuds and the explosions and everything, they just do feel like an anime, like kaiju battle. And it feels brilliant. Like some of the thuds, like I, I'm sitting there going, yeah, boy. And it's like, it's a game, but you know, I've just, <laughs> I've just slammed this Tyrannosaurus Rex style mecha thing on its head and it looks cool. So it's, I'm going to put up a review, like basically the same day this um, podcast goes up. So if you want to go and read my fuller thoughts, or all of my thoughts, it'll be on there. But that's my game of the week. It's something a bit different. Awesome. What about you? What have you been playing this week? Well, uh, I want to uh, just say I'm a bit, a bit emotional about this. I've been working on this for a while, but I finally got the platinum on Chickens on the Road. <laughs> oh, guys, thank you so much. Um, That's hard work, man, that is. Oh, yeah. man. Well done. It took me like six or seven minutes out of my day, and... It's now deleted from my PS5 forever. I don't need to think about it anymore. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a what a game! What a game! Now I wonder what Toby's thinking. Seems though he's going for the Sekiro plot, and will probably take seventy odd hours, <laughs> and it's worth exactly the same amount as something that you put seven hours into. Seven minutes. Sorry. Seven <laughs> minutes, man. If I put seven hours into that platinum, I I would oh. hand in my hand in my gamer card very quickly. Right. You'd have to hand in your sanity card. Uh, yeah, Paul, go for it. So um, I've got 100% on Spider-Man, and so obviously the Game Plus opens up. So if I went on the Game Plus, can I still get a Platinum if I finish all the other bits and pieces? Is that Miles Morales? Yeah. Yeah, you need to beat the new Game Plus to get a Platinum. Oh, okay. So the whole game again? Yep. The oh. whole game again. It that's sucks. Exactly it. But yeah, I hate it when that's a Platinum thing. But you don't need to do anything else, and you realise how short the story is the second time around. So just run through it, the story. Don't need to do any decides or anything. Because I've, I've never got a platinum. I'm quite close. I'm thinking I might do this one. Yeah, do that one, man. I mean, it's it's, it's easy enough. If you just play, all you got to do is play it again. 
There's this other game called Chickens on the Road, though, which will only oh, yeah. take you seven yeah, minutes. That's, to get yeah, it's a really great plan on that one. <laughs> yeah, right, I'm on it. There's a real sense of completion. And it only costs risk. about a pound. Yeah, <laughs> was that right? Seventy nine p. Yeah, you are essentially paying for a platinum. Excellent. So yeah, but yeah, Mars Morales, you've got to play it through again, but it's, it's totally not worth a bad it. Thing. But no, I mean, my main game this week has been Bloodborne, which is a game that I never ever thought I'd play. Um, I saw it sitting in the PS Plus collection, and I thought. You know what? Maybe, maybe now is the time. And I'm actually really enjoying it. I'm not good at it at all. Um, I was throwing health away yesterday. I was pressing the wrong button. I thought it was to add my health, and it wasn't. It was to add bullets. I mean, you can give up some health to get bullets. And I thought I was giving myself health. And I saw my kind of health bar going further and further down. I thought, okay, I'm just going to ignore that. Turns out I was pressing the wrong button. But other than that, it's fine. It's, I mean, it doesn't look as good as I remember it looking. Maybe that's just because I've played PS5 games since, but I think it really could do with a a spruced up remaster at some point to make it look really quite flashy on these new screens. But yeah, it's good. It's obviously it's good, but it's, it's a game that's keeping my attention, which I didn't think it was going to do because I am very impatient when it comes to games like this. And if I can't sort of find an easy way in, which of which there isn't one on Bloodborne, it just kind of throws you in and tells you to go, then I was going to drop it. But I kind of have this determination now to see it through. And I'm really not very far in it at all, but I killed one enemy and I the, the sense of relief was unreal. <laughs> I killed like a single a single dude that was attacking me with an axe and I was like, he's down. I was like, yes, I can do this. But we'll see. How far have you got? What, what have you seen so far? Um, I've I've gone up a ladder. So are you, are you thinking you're just like? I mean, dude, maybe, that's maybe how, that's two how, two or three areas into the town or something. Is that what you're thinking? That's how that's how far I am into it right now. Yeah. I was when I was saying to you yesterday, I was trying to get through those gates. I was like, this is closed by a device. So like, oh, bollocks. Okay, so I run around and then I came across a thing, a device, and I pulled it, but it instead of opening the gates, a ladder came down, and I was like, oh, okay. So I went up that ladder. And I was like, gotcha. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and play something else. This is hurting me. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I am gonna go back to it. And uh, yeah, there's a still, there's still a lot for me to uncover. Obviously, you're right. It's early days, but them, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's super, super early days. I mean, walking through and then seeing that giant wolf thing, and it was like, uh, absolutely. Do you, I mean, I had to kill that thing obviously to get to the uh, the dream, but it was, or well, he had to kill me whatever to get this to dream but yeah that first area will take so long and then you'll get past that and you're suddenly like the the fighting you know style starts to click in that area and the next and then each other area from that point on don't they don't last anywhere near as long as that one does but it's what put me off the first time as well i was like is this entire game just this one little town you know because it just took hours but um yeah if you can stick through it it's um there's a lot of good stuff later Cool. Really, really good stuff. Cool. I'm going to try and get through it without asking you or Greg what to do. If I, <laughs> it, if, if I ever do, that means I'm really stuck. So just okay. keep that in mind for the future. <laughs> right then. So yeah, that's what I've been playing this week. Except for Fortnite, of course. I'm unlocking Predator. Very exciting. Looking forward to that. Let's jump to the quiz then with Mr. Sean Davies. Let's do this thing. So, 10 questions. Totally random all picked from bits of gaming trivia 
um, if you've never done this before, I'm going to ask these guys 10 questions. They're going to write down the answers. And at the end of the podcast, we'll get the answers. And we'll figure out who Ross and Greg are currently in the league with a joint win. So let's see who can pull alongside them or go into the lead. Why didn't they win last okay. week? I think he drew with Greg. No, Toby did, didn't he? Was it Paul? No, Paul did. It was there's, Paul. No, there's no way I did. I lost. Three away. I mean, yeah, you know, it was... that doesn't happen very often. I'm sorry, yeah. Paul. Are you taking my bad? Hate. Hi, Paul. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get shit on Twitter now, aren't I? Yes. Because I forgot. <laughs> <sighs> okay, let's start this. Question one. In which game did you originally have to press F to pay respects? Do you want game or franchise? What game? Oof. Oh. Oh, dear. I can get you the franchise, but not the game. It's a good job I'm asking for game, then, isn't it? Hey. So question one, in which game did you originally have to press F to pay respects? Okay, question two. Which 2020 game came with the optional Kurosawa named after the acclaimed Japanese director Akira Kurosawa? That's Toby Bias. I don't know why. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you want to say why? <laughs> what, what, what game are we thinking about here? I don't know. <laughs> okay, question two. Which 2020 game came with the optional Kurosawa mode named after the acclaimed Japanese director Akira Kurosawa? Okay, question three. In which game do you hunt the serial killer called the Origami Killer? So question three, in which game do you hunt the serial killer called the Origami Killer? Okay, question four. In which 2005 game might you encounter characters called Silk Fox, Black Whirlwind, Spirit Monk, and Death's Hand? Silence, light. So question four, in which 2005 game might you encounter characters called Silk Fox, Black Whirlwind, Spirit Monk, and Death's Hand? Uh, young Sean? Yep. Because I have the first bit again, I can't understand a lot the, the, the thing. Silver something. Question four. In which 2005 game might you encounter characters called Silk Fox, Silk? Black Will, oh, okay. Thanks. Spirit Monk, and Death's Hand? Okay, question five. What is the name of the 2014 Xbox One exclusive that was developed by Insomniac Games? I was annoyed that that was a uh, exclusive for a while until I got to play it on Game Pass. Yeah, catch it in it. And then I was like, ah, I didn't need this. Question five: Which cat shit game 
It was released <laughs> in 2014 as an Xbox One exclusive that was developed by Insomniac Games. Okay, question six. Which voice actor has credits for performances in 2018's God of War, Fortnite Battle Royale, Destiny 2, and Assassin's Creed 3? Damn. Question six. Which voice actor has credits for performances in 2018's God of War, Fortnite Battle Royale, Destiny 2, and Assassin's Creed 3. There's so few voices in Fortnite. Uh. This is actually a really quite appropriate question. If I get it wrong now, then I'm going to shoot myself. Well, okay. We might have one last for the quiz next week. <laughs> Why? Okay. <laughs> <You guys>? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, question seven. What is the name of the ex-villain and cowardly hero that has appeared in every mainline Ratchet and Clank game? Question seven. What is the name of the ex-villain turned cowardly hero that has appeared in every mainline Ratchet and Clank game? platinumed enough of those to remember him okay question eight which of these villages does not feature on the box art for animal crossing and new horizons is it tom nuke kk slider or fuchsia was biased 100 percent. good question what do you That's mean gonna be a complete guess because i have no idea what any of them are <laughs> well, well, i've never played the game you got a one in three chance. Yeah. You probably walked past the bar in the store. Yes, but how would I have known what the town was called? If you're online, you should know what two of those look like. Okay, question eight. Which of these villages does not feature on box art for Animal Crossing New Horizons? Is it Tom Nook, KK Slider, or Fuchsia? Tom Nook, I thought was a character. He is. Like a, yes. like a, a character called Tom Nook. Oh, he has his own village. Okay. This is why I don't know. Tom Nook is your, uh, the guy that you want to give all your the bells little raccoon, to. Like a raccoon face guy. Yes, he's a bastard. Okay. Steals all your money. <laughs> there was nothing worse when you shut off the DS version, wasn't there? You shut your DS version off without saving or something, and he comes up for five minutes and just rambles on about some crap. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, you didn't save last time, huh? Well, yeah. you know what happens. You want to lose all of your progress? Oh, uh, man. Fuck you, Tom okay. Nook. Yeah, fuck you, man. My choice. <laughs> <laughs> you you fucking cunt, Tom Nook. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> you fucking oh, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> fucking stupid animal. <laughs> okay. Question nine. Name any of the teams that the player must join in Pokemon Go. For fuck's sake. Question nine. Name any of the teams that the player must join in Pokemon Go. Uh, going forward, Sean, do you think we could like have no Pokemon questions forever? <laughs> I've 
never ever played a Pokemon game and never will I play a Pokemon game. It's not really fair, is okay. it? I'm working at disadvantage straight away. Oh, you're poking a bear here. You're going to have nine Pokemon questions next week, okay? Thank you very Don't much. Don't start. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and question 10. What is the highest selling arcade cabinet game of all time? Is it Space Invaders, Pac-Man, or Street Fighter 2? So question 10. What is the highest selling arcade cabinet of all time? Space Invaders, Pac-Man, or Street Fighter 2? To quantify this, this isn't the one that made the most money. This is the one that sold the most units. I was going to ask, so thank you for the clarification. No problem at all. And that there is your quiz. Thank you, Sean. A pleasure. Right, let's jump into both barrels before we get into our main topic of the week. There's been a fair bit of news this week, so I'm going to try and condense it all as quick as I possibly can. Let's go. Bethesda has just teased a new project from Wolfenstein developer Machine Games, and it's an Indiana Jones game. In a short statement released via Twitter, Bethesda described the project as an original story not based on any existing film, or presumably the upcoming fifth Indiana Jones film due to begin shooting soon. It'll be some time before we have more to reveal, Bethesda wrote, but we're very excited to share today's news. There's not much else to go on right now. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, the game, has become Limited Run Games' biggest release of all time, selling over 25,000 copies in less than three hours on Nintendo Switch. In less than three hours, we saw 25,000 copies of Scott Pilgrim on Switch, tweeted Limited Run Games' Douglas Bogart. Thank you so much for your support in making this our biggest release of all time. Limited Run Games announced three box versions of Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, the game, for PS4 and Nintendo Switch last week, and pre-orders went live on Friday. And they're freaking awesome, so go and check them out. Russian filmmaker Kantimir Balagov will reportedly be directing the HBO adaptation of The Last of Us. Although it was initially speculated that the production would reunite Chernobyl's Craig Mazin with director Johan Renk, Hollywood reporter states Renk had to drop out because of scheduling conflicts. And now Balagov is stated to take the director reins, according to Hollywood Reporter. This suggests HBO is aiming for a serious dramatic tone for the adaptation. Well, yeah. HBO greenlit the new television adaptation of The Last of Us at the end of last year. As well as Mazin, the project is progressing under the watch of the game's writer Neil Druckmann, alongside PlayStation Productions, Word Games, and of course, Naughty Dog. Though little else is known about the project, it appears the show will follow the events of the original game, with 14-year-old Ellie being smuggled out of the quarantine zone by Joel. Bungie's Halo website goes dark permanently in February, scattering its many player stats to the wind. In a post on Bungie.net, the developer said Halo.Bungie.net goes offline permanently on the 9th of February. Almost nine years ago, stats and files from Bungie's Halo games stopped getting updated on Bungie.net. Since then, all stats, files, and other data from Halo 2, Halo 3, Halo 3 ODST, and Halo Reach lived on Halo.Bungie.net. From the 9th of February, all these stats go dark, but Bungie signaled everyone is welcome to save their stats and files before then. Harry Potter spin-off Hogwarts Legacy will now launch in 2022, publisher Warner Brothers Games has announced. We would like to thank fans from around the world on the tremendous reaction to the announcement of Hogwarts Legacy from Porky Games. A message posted to Hogwarts Legacy's Twitter reads, Creating the best possible experience for all of the wizarding world and gaming fans is paramount to us, so we are giving the game the time it needs. Hogwarts Legacy will be released in 2022. And finally, Sony has pulled a raft of PS5 game release dates from its CES 2021 trailer. 
This week, Sony published a new PS5 trailer broadcast during the Consumer Electronics Show to its YouTube channel, and with it, some changes to the release dates of various upcoming PS5 games. Hidden in the trailer's small print came word that Capcom's old-looking astronaut and small girl starring Pragmata would now arrive in 2023. It was previously stated for launch in 2022. There was also a slightly more definitive March 2021 window for the intriguing Kena Bridge of Spirits, instead of simply spring. Square Enix's mysterious Project Athia in development at Luminous Productions was given a January 2022 release date. It's a PS5 console exclusive for two years, so don't expect that to run on Xbox Series X until January 2024. Returnal launches on 19th of March, Solar Ash in June, Little Devil Inside in July, while Stray and Ghostwire Tokyo are both due in October, according to the original trailer. PlayStation listed its own big hitters, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart and Horizon Forbidden West with a simple 2021 date, though it previously specified the former would arrive in the first half of the year, while the latter would turn up in 2021's second half. However, Sony has since re-uploaded the trailer to its YouTube channel, this time with the various third-party release dates and windows scrubbed from the small print. It now seems clear this information was not intended to be released to the public at this point, which makes sense given the low-key reveal for what would normally be big news. And then there was the January typo in the original small print. Further evidence, the whole thing was a mistake. And that, my friends, is both barrels. Oof. I hope Keen is still so. lands. Oh man, I hope it still lands in March. I'm looking forward to that. Don't be surprised if loads of those are missed though, because if they were not even meant to be revealed, mm. judging by what happened with Cyberpunk, everyone's going to be very careful. Yeah. Keener in March and Ratchet and Clank in April. That should be fun. I want Keener to come out a week after I get my PS5, whenever that is. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll let them know. <laughs> cool. Because if it comes out before I get my PS5, that sucks. Yeah. I've sent you a couple of uh, PS5 drops this week. Yeah. You've seen I've, them. I've been looking, but they've actually not come up as far as I can see. Not yet. Okay. I keep uh, Game and Tesco's running and John Lewis and all these different places, but... Uh, Oy. What a pain in the ass. Uh, Paul, you're right. Stray looks great. Yeah, I'm quite excited about it. And also, um, it's an Indiana Jones game. Did any of you guys ever play the Indiana Jones game on the Xbox? Uh, no, I played the Lego one. <laughs> came, <laughs> that's the only one I've played. Xbox. It came uh, from the same people who done the Buffy game. I don't know if you played that either. And that's what I did. Um, mm, yeah, I'm not sure. It was actually quite good. It was a third-person sort of puzzler-like thing. Um, that was good. So, high hopes. Hmm. It'd be um, interesting to see how an Indiana Jones game is different from Uncharted and Tomb Raider. It's already a yeah. pretty well-saturated market, third-person adventure games like that. The internet is campaigning um, Anthony Gruber, who voiced the Joker in Tales of the Batman series, to play Indiana Jones, because his impression of Harrison Ford is incredible. <laughs> so uh, we shall see. Fingers crossed. What name is that? Anthony Gruber? Anthony Gruber. Anthony Gruber. Oh, okay. You need to give him yeah. a whip, right? He needs to, he needs to have his whip, and he needs to be able to like, you know, use it like a, you know, a hook shot or something, or a or a, you know, so he can swing across things and or and use it in battle as well, like whip things in fights. The whip is in is integral, I reckon. The only thing I want from this game, <laughs> I'm going to cut that out and just like no context whatsoever. Whip is integral. <laughs> <laughs> the the only thing I want from this game is that if you have a fight. Indy's hat gets knocked off, yeah, and the game will not let you progress until you've gone back and picked it up. <laughs> it's like in every film, he goes back for his hat. I just want that. And there has to be at least one scene where someone has a massive sword and you just shoot them. 
play um, Red Dead Redemption 2. That had a hat mechanic, which was absolutely infuriating. So I think once you play Red Dead Redemption 2, you probably want to go back on that little statement. <laughs> right. Let's get into the big topic of the week. And of course, that is Star Wars. Because Massive Entertainment, the Ubisoft-owned developer of Tom Clancy's Division, has begun work on an open-world Star Wars game, bringing an end to the EA exclusivity. Now, there's absolutely nothing to go on. We don't know anything about the game so far. All we know is that Ubisoft is making a Star Wars game in the vein of the Division. So that's going to be quite interesting. So we've got us thinking about developers and if Disney would allow the Star Wars license to go out to any developer in the same way that they're using Marvel with various different writers and directors. What developers would we like to see make a Star Wars game or what kind of game would that be? So we've uh, had a, a few days to think about it. We'll see what comes out. I'm going to start with Mr. Sean Davies. Okay, strap in. I'll tell you what, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to start with, are you excited about Massive doing a Star Wars game? Absolutely. That is a license to print money. Mm. No. Imagine the division, but Star Wars themed. And that is just, you know, and I hope, I hope it's, I hope it's not Jedi, Jedi orientated. And I, I know that's going to be controversial and people are going to want to be a Jedi, but basically just give me the division where I'm a stormtrooper and I'm going through like Coruscant, basically 13, 13, give me 13, 13 for fuck's sake. <laughs> God damn it. Someone will make it. Maybe it's Ubisoft. I mean, if, if they could, if they could make it like a bounty hunters game where you play as a variety of bounty hunters and they, you know, like have Bosch and with his like thermal vision and mm. you know the fets, it just it, it just be so. I'm I'm really excited for whatever because that studio is really really talented. And yeah, I agree. Very excited. Indeed. Sorry, cracker. So the the other thing I just wanted to say was that LucasArts are back. You know, the name is back. And this is where the Indiana yeah. Jones thing came from. And, you know, Disney's deal with EA for exclusivity ends in a couple of years of time. The, the doors are going to be thrown open. So the one thing I really fucking want is Monkey Island. Okay? Lucas <laughs> are back. Just give me Monkey Island. Before I say anything else, I just want Monkey Island. Okay? Okay, right. I have a list. I am missing right now third-person um, shooters. I think it's a genre that's kind of dying out. Tactical third-person shooters just isn't something that's happening right now. So I was thinking, who could make a decent third-person shooter in Star Wars? And I thought, why the hell not get Epic Games, who did Gears of War, to do a Star Wars-themed one while you play Stormtroopers? I think that would be excellent. I also think they are one studio that would not skimp on cash and just throw everything at it. I think they've already got mm. links with Disney. You know, they've, they've already done Star Wars things with Fortnite. I just think it might be a, a good match. Obviously, don't get Cliffy B back. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> I just think every game, is, they, they have a pedigree with, you know, their shooters, you know, Unreal Tournament, Gears of War. They've always been top class. And I think as much as I love the Battlefront games, I would really like one done by epic okay that's one second one level five the developer so they did nino kuni they did dark cloud um the professor layton games dragon quest games there's this new there's this new part of star wars that's opening up right now called the high republic uh, which is a new unexplored part of the star wars realm where the republic is kicking ass 
but there's lots of underlying tensions going on. The Jedi are everywhere and they are gangbusters. You know, they are, they are the, the, the bomb right now. I would very much like to see an RPG from level five done in that time period because that time period is now like, it's got comics, books, um, there isn't like a movie in that area yet, but it, it is exploding with lore right now. And a game would be a great way to pull all that together. And level five got RPG chops they've demonstrated year after year. I think they'd be a very good developer to put on that. Thirdly, um, I want Codemasters to make a pod racing game. Yes. A thousand times, yes. I, I, I racked my head to try and figure out who would be best to do this. And I'm thinking, well, okay, Wipeout Developers, Studio Liverpool, they became Evolution, which then got sold to Codemasters. And I'm thinking, or Codemaster Chester. You know, there's, there's bound to be somebody there who used to work, work on Wipeout. And, you know, they know how to make a zero, zero G racing game. Yeah. Do you think that's what uh, EA will put Codemasters to work on? when they finally buy them. Man, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. I would walk around just screaming yes at the top of my voice for like two hours. Just <laughs> <laughs> you know all that fun original stuff you make, Coke Masters? No, fuck that. Here's a license. Get on with it. <laughs> See, the thing is, like, they, they know how to make really good license games, like F1. They did, I'm like, okay, right, not really great, but the Fast and the Furious game, that eventually came out under Coke Masters, you know? So <laughs> that's not a good effort. That's not good evidence. No, but the thing is that that game got it's it's a decent five out of ten game, yeah, and a budget game. But if they if if you can get Disney money, mm, that EA that sweet in, sweet you know, EA money. I could just see being. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, next up was was um, Frontier. So the guys that make um, Planet Coaster and Elite Dangerous and Planet Zoo. I, I like the way that Frontier make those planning games like Planet Zoo, Planet Zoo and Planet Coaster and they did the Jurassic World Evolution game. I'd really like them to make like a, a Jedi enclave, enclave game where you basically start with a Jedi in a cave and they've got to build like a Jedi Academy out of this and just by building stuff up, getting resources, trading with stuff. Like after everything went to shit, somebody trying to build it back up again. Maybe it's Luke Skywalker with his academy, you know, trying to build that up. I think that would be a really cool element to go into. And oh, no, not finally. Almost finally. Monolith Productions. So they did um, the um, Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War games. I really want them to do an open world Star Wars game because that studio has got a lot of, um, lot of talent. And I think it's now being wasted on the Mordor stuff. If they are still doing it, because they haven't announced anything since 2017. So I guess we're going to go find out what they're doing like soon. But if they could do like a, a Dr. Alpha or, or like a Kanan or, you know, one of these lesser known characters, stick them in an open world game. They'd be so good. Like just imagine Shadow of War, um, but with Star Wars. You know, the battles. I am. It's Stormtroopers versus um, Chewbacca's Wookiees <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and the last thing I wanted to is just basically any of the Call of Duty studios from Action that aren't doing Call of Duty. So like Raven, Beanox, any of these studios that they got like on backup, just give them a Star Wars game. Like there used to be so many good like first person shooters, like you know, the the hybrid the 
we had a bounty hunter game. We had like a stormtrooper. Given the Bad Batch license from Rogue, from um, the Clone Wars, which is like a new mm. thing that came out of the last series, but just give them that license and say, go and make a first person shooter about a weird batch of clones. Just do it. It'd be so good. Because they, they never make a bad game that's not polished. And that's what the Star Wars games have missed. Interesting. Polish. Mm. You know, Battlefront yeah. was missing polish. Even Jedi Fall of All was missing polish. You know, it'd be so good to have a really highly polished Star Wars game again. Yeah. And I'm sure. sorry that list was long, but this, this, this really got my creative juices flowing. <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> I love it. There's some, there's, there's some cool stuff in there, for sure. Oh, man. It's so exciting. Uh, Toby, what, um, I'm guessing From Software is uh, at the top. <laughs> I thought I'd shy away from that one actually, um, but I would I would agree straight away with uh, what Sean said about the beginning. Like, I'm sick of Jedi, right? I want games that are not about Jedi. No more Force Unleashed, Fallen Order, you know, Knights of the Old Republic. I'm I'm done with playing a Jedi. Um, so all the new stuff that I've listed, and I've got a list probably as long as Sean's. Um, I want you know lightsabers are cool, but I want some thing that's more short of blasters and such because i get really sick of like the stoic monk like the teachings that conflict with being just a normal bloody person um and i don't like monks and such in in real life let alone in in things i'm playing so um <laughs> I, don't like monks. Just, I don't like monks i don't like what they stand for and what they do with <laughs> their lives <laughs> so so i don't want to play as one and i find that the whole star wars is kind of predicated on this whole downfall of Anakin before he, because he fell in love and like that teaching of relationships are toxic and love is bad and all of that is very problematic you create a dysfunctional sort of toxic man out of a very sexually repressed master student relationship and it's it's not cool I don't like it anyway that aside um I decided to try and steer away from Jedi as much as possible so um I started with Bioware but not um, Knights of the Old Republic, I want them to do something far more like Mass Effect, right? So an open world bounty hunter RPG, uh, you are in the Star Wars universe, you can do, you know, everything a bounty hunter would do. And it's, and, and sort of, you know, you could be a Jedi maybe, but the point is that you're a bounty hunter, I think in this. Um, there'd be hundreds of planets, like in Mass Effect, each filled with, you know, hits to do, people to capture, dead or alive contracts and stuff. You have the little chits that you have in the Mandalorian that would beep when you get to people and you can collect them. You know, I want a, I want a great big screen of all the different people that I need to hunt down, like in Assassin's Creed odyssey for example um you know that you something you have to face down something you have to kill something you can capture put them in carbonite you know get paid at the end of the day that it, it would be awesome just to have a bounty hunter open world rpg game um and it can be rpg light -like. it doesn't have to be crazy rpg but you know that kind of thing would be very very cool um and i think obviously the story would get you very involved in some of the bounties a bit like you know baby yoda and stuff on the mandalorian uh so that's idea one um idea two i'm thinking Ubisoft are doing this open world one, but there's a, there's another side of Ubisoft that I'd far I'd like far more, which would be more like a, a stealth game, like a like a Splinter Cell Hitman sort of a game, um, or Assassin's Creed style. So again, those great big this one would have you more like a more like a rebel, and then you've got a series of Imperials to hunt down and assassinate, like it like the Assassin's Creed sort of roster of all these different people. I want to be a stealth operative, you know, someone someone wearing black who you know you completely just sort of stealthing it up in star wars um and they can dress up as an imperial a bit like hitman go and infiltrate the death star 
you know, explore their, your way through there, assassinate all the top brass Imperials, you know, there'd be dozens of them and you could bring down the Death Star from within, you know, that kind of a thing, um, which I just think would be so much fun. Um, so I want, I want missions where you can go into the underworld of um, Coruscant, you know, like, um, and assassinate the crime lords, the huts, the people who run Black Sun, you know, that kind of stuff would be, would be really awesome. Um, so that's idea two. Um, so, so, uh, so a Bothan spy simulator. Many yeah. Bothan spies died to bring us this information. Many Bothans died. That's, <laughs> absolutely. And you could, yeah, it doesn't need to be just hits. It could be getting information. Yeah, totally. You could play as a Bothan. Aren't they sort of half sort of wolfy dog looking sort of types? You could be there. I have no idea. Yeah. I'm going to find out. Anyway, you could definitely be a Bothan in that. Yeah, I agree. Um, so third option here is bring back 1313, right? So there's, there's, if we're going back to, you know, Lucasfilm being called LucasArts and all that stuff is actually available again, it, there's not a lot of reason why they don't bring back 1313. There was a whole, you know, pitched uh, thing there, like the High Republic, but called Underworld, which was meant to be all about the underworld of Star Wars. And I, that's the world I want to see more. That's the stuff I actually enjoy in all of the films. You know, the, the seedy stuff, the criminals, the bounty hunters, the huts, all that kind of stuff is more interesting um, than Jedi to me. So bring back a, you know, a blasters third person cover based shooter. Exactly like Sean said, make it by Epic. Um, that sounds great as well. Um, and and LucasArts, you know, in conjunction, for example, droid enemies, stormtrooper enemies, anything where you can just, you know, use your blaster as a, on a third person shooter would have been so much fun. Um, so I really, really think that should come back. Um, that game is like Star Wars Uncharted. You know, it, 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 it's that kind of visceral sort of... We got a little tiny bit of it with um, Fallen Order, like every now and again he'd fall off of something and have to climb his way up, but it was, it, there was so much more of it in the demo even, that demo video, which I rewatched this morning. And I've got two more. So one, again, taking the idea of 1313, where you descend into the bowels of the planet, um, into into Coruscant, I'm thinking something like literally Metroid. So go down into... The, the all of Coruscant and find all of those different things that are going on there, all the underworld areas, but make it a Hollow Knight, make it a Metroidvania, but and totally Metroid styled because it you know it'd be very sci-fi down there um, rather than you know bugs and things. Um, and I was thinking for a maker of that one, I was thinking like Chair um, for when they did Shadow Complex because Shadow Complex was awesome. Um, they could totally do that um, rather than one of the sort of modern Metroidvania makers. And then the last one I had was, so last year I played uh, the Valhalla uh, bar simulator, didn't I? So um, I'm thinking Sukaban games. Um, you, you run a bar in Coruscant again, and just the stories of people who come into the bar. So every Star Wars film pretty much has a bar at some point. People go there, it's, you know, it, it propels the story on at some point. You know, there is a farm boy at one point and an old hermit who come in and catch a ride with a Wookiee and a Merc. You know, that, that's a very pivotal part of Star Wars. So I just want to be the bartender. You know, I want to I want to run that place and talk to all of the randomers who come in, serve them drinks, you know, serve them blue milk, all the all the stuff that you have in Star Wars. And just, you know, it could be set anywhere. It could be set in Coruscant, it could be set in Tatooine, it could be something where just people are going to come through and have these crazy stories about the galaxy. And, you know, they come back again, you know, three weeks later and they're wounded or they've got to do this, that and the other. And it's that kind of thing just, it just, seems really fun from a storyline perspective to me there's lots of books recently that are star wars books where they do very very sort of mini you know mini short stories about um different characters it would just be those kind of things just loads and loads of them anyway i'll leave it there that was my ideas so the 
the guy from the actual movies, the the bartender was called Wooha. Yeah, Wooha. So, so you could have like a Wooha simulator. I don't want to be him because he was a, he was a really grumpy bastard. But I <laughs> I'd rather be someone yeah. nice. But yes, yeah. that's essentially right. Imagine imagine the story of why he becomes grumpy. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, you know, he was actually a lesbian. Everybody started at the bar, and then this is what happened. Or you yeah. could run the bar in um, in the in the temple in uh, Force Awakens. You know that the one um, what's her name the the short lady's. Uh, oh bar. yeah, her bar looks really interesting, and we don't know anything about that one. I would love that bar. Yeah. I'd love to run that bar. Right up until it gets blown to shit, and then it gets blown up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and yes, um, <laughs> bothans are like Khajiits from Sky, Sky, Skyrim. From so they're like cool. dog people. Anyway, any of those sound good, Ross? Yeah, I want the Metroid one. Cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they all they all sound great, but that one got me all tingly. I was like, oh my god, that sounds awesome. We don't have a whole lot of two D Star Wars anymore. No. Yeah, publish it by Devolver. Get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paul, what do you reckon, Star Wars developers? What Star Wars game do you want? Right, so I only have the two two developers, um, but I think they're both pretty damn good. So as you know, I've just completed The Last of Us Part Two, um, which was my game of the generation uh, for PS4 at least. And um, so I think a Star Wars game made by Naughty Dog would be just the most amazing thing ever. I mean, St- Naughty Dog have a really good way of telling a story. Um, not only is it a, uh, is it a fantastic story, but also know when to balance action scenes with more slower bits, and it's just like. In terms of storytelling, um, then yeah, absolutely amazing. As for the game, it, I'm, I'm, I'm more of like a traditionalist, so it would be a Jedi, probably everything opposite what Toby just said. Um, be a young Jedi and uh, maybe a sort of Han Solo kind of character. Exactly, but basically, it's going to be The Last of Us, but with Star Wars characters. And I think that'd be pretty awesome. I want that actually right now. And the other game well, I had was Hazelight. Now, Hazelight done the, the kind of co op break out of prison kind of deal, uh, which came out what, a couple of years ago now. And I, I've been playing that a lot with my buddy and we really enjoy it. And it's a really, really good game. I think it'd be quite nice if we had, uh, that was made by, um, had some Star Wars characters in it. It could be the Botham Spires trying to, um, I don't know, get the, get the plans to Death Star out of the Death Star, or it could be, I don't know, a couple of Jedis on the hunt, or it could be a couple of Stormtroopers. You know, I think the, the possibilities for that are pretty much endless, but I mean, I don't know, anything like that, because the Star Wars aesthetics is what makes it so good. I mean, you know, there's been a bazillion space epics since Star Wars, but none of them have captured the imagination like Star Wars has, you know, the attack walkers, the X-Wings, the TIE Fighters. So I think anything like that, putting the Star Wars aesthetic on it, would be a winner. And I've just come up with another one while uh, gabbling on, and that was the guys who made Firewatch. Now, I can't remember their name now. Campo Santo. Campo Santo, yes. Now, if they could make a fireworks kind of game, maybe set in Tatooine, I don't know, and there's I don't know, a radio thing and an exploration thing all in Star Wars through the uh, Mos Eisley or something, I don't know. But I'd like, where the Star Wars game is, I'd like it to be the original films, not the sequels, not the prequels, maybe more like Rogue One or um, The Mandalorian, but none of the, none of the other stuff is shit. So, uh, yeah, there's my three <laughs> developers. <laughs> all right, Grandad. Sorry, no, but it is, though, isn't it? Let's be honest. All of them. Those six films are shit. The Last Jedi is a top five Star Wars movie. Don't even give Absolutely me that shit. Absolutely not. What do you mean? Yeah. That's like top not, five not, worst we're not, movies. Look, we're not doing this again, all right? <laughs> I'm just saying. It's passion. Carry on. Oh my God. Well, what about mine? I mean, you've stolen one of mine, so thanks for that. Campo Santo? Yeah. 
Sorry. Yeah, I want a Mandalorian game made oh, yeah. by Campo Santo. Uh, that would be really, really awesome. And I want Mediatonic to make an Ewoks free runner, like Fall Guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's wicked. Yeah. Free walks. I'd be all over that, mate. <laughs> It'd be so awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. You can just think about that now for the rest of your life. That kind of party game thing would really sit with like the holiday special and stuff. Star Wars has got that in it. Yeah, it I mean, like that. People, people forget the wonderment of Connect Star Wars. Oh, yeah. And dancing the, Star Wars is so the good. The joy of uh, Han Solo dancing to, was it Jason Derulo or something? It was, uh, no, it was magic. But yeah, I mean, I don't have a massive, because I think, I think, yeah, I mean, my, my dream would be, I just want, maybe I just want a new Campo Santo game because they're dragging their heels with In the Valley of the Gods. And uh, I just want them to come back. And I think if they had the license, they could make something really unique, I think, quite interesting. Didn't, didn't they dissolve themselves into to Valve to make Half-Life Alex? I think partly, yeah. I don't, know if it, I don't know if Valley of the Gods is even a thing anymore. I don't think but it is. I remember that trailer and think falling in love with it. But yeah, man, there's so much exciting, so many exciting possibilities for Star Wars and video games. Uh, I just hope that they're all explored. Anyway, let's let's move yeah, on. Let's move on. Hurry up. There's so, there's so many, so many possibilities, and uh, yeah, we're excited to see what developers can do now. The license is out of the clutches of EA, and just when you thought we could go a whole week without talking about Cyberpunk 2077, they've had another bloody awful week, and it doesn't appear to be getting any better. Um, this isn't not directly involved with Cyberpunk, but there's. There's all this talk this week about quality assurance and how the CEO of CD Projekt Red, Marcin Iwinski, uh, released a video addressing the concerns and apologizing again for the quality of the game and seemingly throwing the QA team of CDPR under the bus as uh, it was kind of their fault that everything went to shit. Now, you can watch that video and go, okay, Phil, it seems heartfelt and it seems, you know, genuine. And then it got to that bit and it was really weird. And suddenly everyone's on their back again. And I'm going to talk to everyone about this, but I'm going to mainly throw this at Sean because QA is a very important part of the game industry to Sean. So there's a lot to kind of unpack here, but was, I mean, the importance of quality assurance and QA, the guys that test all these things, CDPR just went, oh yeah, it was them. Don't, yeah, we knew what it was, but you know, they didn't tell us the big issues. Uh, seemingly. So what do you get from what he said about QA? Oh dear. He, he made a big fuck up here. Um, because he, within within two minutes he said, please don't blame any of our staff. It wasn't their fault that the game released as it was. And then a couple of minutes later he's saying, our, our tests didn't capture the extent of the issues. Now, there is a very remote possibility that that is the case. Um, because with QA testing, you have a list of tests you have to complete. And if, it, if, if the testing is molecular to say, okay, does this quest? And, and one of the things that, you know, is, is pretty um, robust in Cyberpunk is the quests. You know, not, not many have failed when you're in, in actual gameplay a handful have but it's not like skyrim or you know 
The Witcher where things can just fail randomly. Um, the, the game is actually pretty pretty well tested in that regard. If, if, for example, you were to say, test every single quest line and do it repeatedly with these variables, but just don't tell me about every T-posing guy, don't tell me about the graphics glitches, don't tell me about these things, then, then there, there is a very remote possibility that the test will come back and go, yeah, the quests worked and QA wouldn't have found the issues. I don't think that's what's happened. I think he's using QA as a scapegoat because there, there is always an internal battle between QA and production. And in this instance, it seems like QA have flagged millions of bugs and production, as in the people that made the game, and then have to try and replicate the issue in their, in their end. So for example, you find a T-posing guy, yeah? And that gets flagged. Production then goes away and then tries to re replicate it to see, okay, what causes this? How do we fix it for the next test build? It feels like a lot of that was just, okay, we can't do anything about that now. Let's do the, let's get the, let's get the guts of the game done. And they've, they've set the test specifically for, can you get from the beginning to the end, following the golden line that drags you through the game? And you don't, if you don't deviate from that, it won't fuck up. And it doesn't, you know, if, if you play that game following that golden line exactly, you will not fuck up. That game will be perfect. But that isn't how people play games. And that's the way that QA should do, do you know, develop games. They, how, how they te should test. They should try and make it. It feels like either he's using QA as a scapegoat and it is ugly. It is horrible because QA is a thankless, a very important job. These guys ruin video games for themselves so that they can test them so that everyone else can enjoy them. Like I, I, I know a lot of QA testers. I've done it myself in the past. And you play a game, you break it, you do the same thing over and over again in slightly different ways. And you go home and the last thing you want to, want to do is play a game ever again. <laughs> And it just feels like he's either thrown them under the buzz or it was an example of where the test that was set by management was so flimsy that they, they already knew all the issues and the test didn't capture them because that's not what the criteria that was set. You know, if you, if you don't want to know about the graphics glitches and you don't ask QA to flag them, they won't. They do their job. You know, they will test what you ask them to test. It's a massive fuck up. And it is, it is disrespectful to the, to the role of QA, what he said, um, in either case. Because if you've got a good test manager and you've set out a good pipeline for tests, all of that would have been caught. But let's face it, at the end of the day, they knew when they wanted to launch the game, they didn't have enough time to fix the bugs, and they just launched it as is, which is a massive shame. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's always going to be someone that, was going to take the fall for this. And it's a shame that it was QA, considering that they're, they're not directly involved in the development. They're just there to, as you say, just pass on the pass the message on. And I mean, do you think somewhere it got, it got lost, maybe lost in translation because they were talking about how they would, they always speak in, there's different language speakers there, but they always spoke in English or they were made to speak in no. English. And no, that was I... something that was a bit amiss. 
No, I, I don't think it's been lost in translation. I just think I hear stories all the time. So just just one, for example, um, a friend who used to work at a big British studio that makes big games, um, they were releasing DLC for their game. And one of the start things you had to do was complete a, complete a race. And they were testing the Wii U version. Now, the frame rate was so bad on the Wii U version that the race was completely impossible. You couldn't possibly see the, cor- the corners coming up. It was like two frames per second. You basically couldn't do it in the time that was allowed. So the QA flagged it and said, this race is impossible. The frame rate is too bad. The production wrote back and said, cannot replicate. They basically didn't want to get the, the Wii U version out to say, hey, this is fucked. QA flagged it again. And production said, it's just the Wii U version. We won't fix it. Those are the decisions that both QA and production have to make. If your DLC is going to be selling on a Wii U and it might sell five copies, you know, because at the time this wasn't a, a franchise that was very well selling on, on the Wii U. I would say it was in the hundreds that it sold, but it still needed to be tested and released because it was part of the release schedule. And this, this particular piece of DLC, uh, I don't want to spoil, I don't want to kind of throw them under the buzz, bus, but this DLC could move between platforms. It had to be tested and production were not willing to fix it because it was, it was more, worth more effort than it was worth. So they weren't ever going to fix it. This is something that happens with QA and production all the time. You flag a, a bug and you have a list of things that actually must be fixed before you release. Then you have a list of nice-to-haves. So you have showstoppers, nice-to-haves, and then you have, okay, this stuff, it might never get fixed because the work would be just far outweigh what it would be worth to fix. This feels like a battle where production has gone through and said, okay, the show-stopping bugs are this. QA will have 100% flagged. If they've tested the PS4 version on a PS4 or the Xbox One version on an Xbox One, they will 100% see these bugs and they will flag them. But these are the kind of bugs that will get put down the list and said, okay, and you've got to wonder, <laughs> you know, when, when they said the game has gone gold, all of that crunch time and all that time past that was basically fixing the showstopper bugs that were completely fucking the game. Because I imagine at that point, the game was in really shit state. And the information that's come out this last couple of weeks is the fact that this game was built in not eight years time. It was built in four years time, in half the time that it takes somebody to make. You know, you look at the Assassin's Creed games now, they are built in three or four years. And they are built with six times as much staff as CD Projekt Red have. So the, the, the miracle is that this game came out at all. The, the fact that QA being thrown under the buzz is very unfair because I can almost guarantee that these bugs were, were flagged, but production said we can't fix them before we release. And the, the, the fault is entirely on the management at this point for saying we release now. I don't know whether they had conversations with the shareholders and the shareholders were saying, right, yeah, you've got to release now. Or they just thought, okay, we've got to release before Christmas. Whether they wanted to get out of stuff they knew was coming out this year, because this year is going to be fucking crazy for game releases. And I don't know what the reason is, but the management made the call. You know, They knew the bugs were there. QA will not have missed bugs like that unless the test's garbage. 
and the, the, the management set the quest, the tests. So it's all on the management. It's so unfair that they throw QA under the bus. Will have been no miscommunication. You know, if English is the primary language, you know, it's very easy to chuck stuff into a. And the thing is, these a lot of these bug softwares now you can send video. You know, the PS4 and the PS5. You have a bug. They send thirty seconds worth of video with the report. You know, it's it's not. It's not, it's not good enough to say that the QA didn't get the test. It, this is a management and production issue. Yeah, man, what a shit show. Sorry, got, got really angry there. I, I know a lot <laughs> of QA testers that have been so fucking livid this last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it, I can imagine it's a delicate topic for them. And it seemed really unnecessary to even blame anyone. They should have just come out and said, yep, sorry, we're fixing it. And just leave it there. You know, yeah. it would have avoided so much some negativity again towards them. But yeah, and that, their, their management really need to take a, a take a minute to just to realise that their their effort for open communication is something that they that needs to go both ways. So yeah. currently they are putting out statements, um, and it a lot of it's you know very counter counter to what's been said inside, and yeah. it, it really needs to change. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Tobes, have you got anything to add to this one? I don't think there's a whole lot I can add. I did have a question, um, which maybe Sean can answer. Do they ever test on sort of smaller versions? So like, say you're testing Cyberpunk, do you just test on a small build or do you test on the entire game build every time? Because I wonder if there's a, a way where, you know, these things might have worked on smaller builds, like test builds, and maybe didn't work when you put everything together and it was crashing the system. See what I mean? So the, the reports that are coming out of CD Projekt Red at the minute is the fact that um, in, in, in this instance, you would have the whole game as a build because testing a little bit of it, um, you, would, you would flag bugs, which you wouldn't even have to fix in the wider you know, part of the game, for example. Um, but part of the issue with CD Projekt Red is the, 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 the pipeline was was all kinds of broken. So for example, uh, somebody in QA would flag, okay, uh, this is broken, it needs a new shader. You know, a, a, a visual effect is broken, it needs a new shader. That would go back to the production and somebody in production would just make a shader and then put it into the game. No one was checking, hey, is there something already in the game that does this? And because of that, you ended up with duplicate pieces of software that eventually ended up conflicting because you know you've you've got this giant piece of software that, that everyone's trying to fix at the same time without having a joined up approach again a management problem you wouldn't you wouldn't test in small pieces you might if you're doing like rap, rapid prototyping you might test particular mechanics or systems alone but you know on 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 a whole you normally test either a vertical slice or the whole product Mm. It's, it just comes. The question just comes from ignorance of that process. To be perfectly honest, because um, as you say, you've got to create all these different things, and then you've got to put it in. I just wonder how, in in any game studio, they you know create these massive. You know, you've got to make the entire build again each time you're trying to test a new you know new set of things that that um, you fixed. Um, it just it sounds like a very very time consuming process, and it clearly is, which is why they weren't able to do you know a portion of this is that they weren't able to do as much as they wanted. 
um, in, a, in the time they had. But um, yeah, no, I, I don't have anything else to add in terms of an opinion. I think I agree with what Sean said. You shouldn't shit on the QA testing stuff. Um, they're very, very important. Otherwise, we just get games full of bugs, um, which I think we're going to get less and less of, which is um, which is cool because this is just, you know, it's thrown so many questions up and, and has shone a light on some practices that people don't like um, that we'll probably get less and less of it, which is good. Lots and lots of things getting delayed a bit more, which is sad, but hopefully more quality assurance. Yeah, so long as Hogwarts Legacy comes out perfect, it's all good. Well, eventually. This is what we said about Cyberpunk. <laughs> it's been delayed this many times, it'll have to be perfect, and it was not. It definitely was not, unfortunately. Uh, Paul, have you got anything to add before we move to uh, Indie Corner? No, not really. I mean, I think Sean covered it pretty well there. I mean, um, I've kind of, not on the same sort of scale, but I've been on a receiving end of something similar, because when you design, you design, that's all you kind of do. Um, and it's down to the proofreader um, and the management to sign that job off, and then you know, various times you get 250,000 leaflets printed and there's a, there's a mistake on it, which everyone spotted, but it's the designer that gets the blame because it's just the easy scapegoat. So I kind of get it um, from that point of view. I'm not entirely on the same scale, um, but yeah, I don't think it's right. I don't think it's fair. Um, and CD Projekt Red have got to do something massive now to, to um, I don't know, for good, good goodwill and good faith, I think. They need to do something for the staff and the gamers. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see whatever they can come up with to try and get people back on their side because they were always touted as one of the good guys. That's what I thought. I know. I can't believe it always <laughs> come out. I was like, wow. Yeah. Now they've, uh, yeah, they've, uh, they've shit that down the pan. So. Idiots. Yeah. It's a real shame. But yeah, QA testers, if you're out there, you're listening. You're awesome. We like you a lot. Thank you for what you do. Clever, clever people. Right then, let's crack on with the Indie Corner with Sean Davies. do this so five games this week a bumper indie corner so the first game is called figment 2 so you might have seen figment the original before it's been a pretty well celebrated indie game uh, it's got an awesome art style but the best thing of it is the way that it combines music and gameplay uh, so bedtime digital games this week announced that the, the figment 2 will be launching on in in 2021 on pc um, the art style is great. Sound design is much better. Um, it's it basically a, a game that's set to music and according to the press release, it's a surreal and sometimes dark journey set to evocative songs and soundscapes, musical showdowns and mind-bending puzzles that await the player. So if you if you if this sounds good to you, go and check out the trailer that's, that was launched this week. Um, it has a very cool song on it. Um, and if you, if this all sounds good to you, there is a prologue that you can download now on PC on Steam. Um, so if you go to Figment 2 Prologue on Steam, it's a free-to-play demo. And it'll give you a good feel about what the game's about. Okay, second game, and I think we've all said we absolutely love this game, is Squadron 51. Um, so we originally saw this game back in August 2020. I think it went up on the site before The Great Purge, and I kind of wish that we'd got that back because the trailer was all so this is a shoot 'em up it has a very cool old school cinema black and white art style with like a retro sci-fi look um you could tell that it was inspired by the 1950s sci-fi classics like war of the worlds godzilla and dr strange love just from everything that's in this game um it's all got this very cool retro sci-fi look it's developers luminarts uh, they are teaming with assemble and partners uh, whisper games 
and they will be releasing the game this year on Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Uh, if you Google Squadron 51, there is a very, very cool new trailer out there. Go and give that a look. Third game. So this third game is called Space Warlord Organ Trader Simulator, which I've, I've checked. I've done a poll online. This is the best game name of all time. There is nothing better than Space Warlord Organ Trader Simulator. <laughs> uh, this is from a developer called Strange Scaffold. Uh, they made, again, the second best game of all time name, an airport for aliens currently run by dogs. <laughs> Which, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> So this game is a trading sim uh, which involves selling organs for profit. Uh, I just want to read these two lines, these two paragraphs from the press release because, oh boy. Uh, so organs, everyone has them and everyone wants them, which is where you come in. You are an organ trader plying your fleshy wares to a strange, evolving and desperate universe full of clients. Monitor market trends, fulfill client requests, unknowingly supply livers to a sentient frog god so that partying may never end. But most of all, try to turn a profit with complex cargo mechanics a constantly changing market and a wide variety of quests events and items space warlord organ trading simulator promises to fill your buyer order for fun in a galaxy full of guts if that didn't sell you on this game i don't know what will it's got a really cool art style um the music in the game on the trailer is freaking wild um the guys the guys that are developing this are all really cool people um and I'm not sure if I'm ready to sell organs online, but I am very excited to try. I'm, I'm convinced this game is going to make me feel very guilty very quickly, but I'm all for it. I love those titles. It's, it's like you don't need the press release because they've put everything <laughs> you need to know in the title. And the same with the previous game, Space uh, Airport Run by Dogs. You're like, okay, I know what this game's about. <laughs> yeah, which, which, I love the fact that they basically went, okay, Warlord Space Organ Trader Simulator. And I'm thinking to myself, how did they come up with this? Like, the simulator is the bit that just kicks it over the edge. You're like, yeah, we met one of these guys and we thought, wow, this is very cool. Let's simulate this guy's life. Like, yeah. <laughs> what the hell? This, this is a real thing. We'll just make a simulator about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, this game is, is, is going to launch this year on PC and there is a possibility for plans to, to, to port the game to consoles too. Okay, fourth game is called Acolyte. And this is a dynamic narrative experience that gives you your own Acolyte, which is a digital assistant you can talk to freely without predefined dialogue options. So basically, I don't know if you can remember that game. I think it might have been Observer. I think Paul might have played it. But basically, you could type in whatever you wanted into this narrative box and it will try and reply to you. And there are millions of options for you to basically and like type in and get a response to. So this game is coming from Superstring, and it's very much like that, where you become an employee of Nanomax, a well-funded tech startup looking to change the face of consumer AI and its upcoming Acolyte application, which basically you can talk to. As a remote QA worker for the company, you'll interact with its employees and absorb its culture as you get to work on the Acolyte project. But unexplained firings, missing employees, and a strange, highly classified bug in the code base point to something very, very wrong. I'm excited. This feels like one of those lost phone games, but cooler and that you can talk to. And it's also, if you play it windowed on your, on your PC and it's like a mobile phone screen on PC with the picture of an acolyte, which is like a, a lady cyber person. 
Uh, right now there is a prologue which is available for free on itch.io. So if you fancy going on Acolyte, there is a free version. Uh, there is also a, uh, a version that you could pay for called the Transcend Transcendent Edition, uh, which has more than the demo. And you'll get an early bird price on the full game because you don't have to buy it again. So, and that's eight pound on itch. Do you think uh, they'll have the, the actual AI that's running the, the acolyte? It just, the, judging by what's on the trailers and things like that, it's, it's like an AI chatbot, right? So you're, you know, if you're able to actually put in any conversation, you know, and there's no predefined dialogue options, Probably the bit that's most impressive, apart from building a narrative around the outside of this thing as well to make it into a game, is that, you know, is that AI chatbot actually convincing? Does it, you know, does it do what it says on the tin? Because, you know, they're still trying to make what, um, AI chatbots that are that convincing. Yeah, I, I think there will be limits to what it can do. Um, but they're saying that there is currently millions of different responses already programmed in. So I imagine if you go like, how are you? you'll get a response or, you know, what is the weather? They'll get a response. I think there's been a concerted effort into getting this to be convincing and yeah. this developer Superstring, you know, they, they did a game called Headspun and Headspun had problems on consoles. It wasn't a, a technically brilliant game. It had quite a few glitches, but narratively it was, it was very promising. And I'm really excited about what they could do with a combination of like an AI chatbot that can assist you doing these these tasks to find what's going on at this this company with the the narrative chops they've shown they can do before. So I'm I'm quite excited about this one. Yeah, that one looks cool. Finally, okay, Raptor boyfriend. Yes, Raptor boyfriend. So I don't like normal dating sim sims, but I will absolutely go for one that's weird and wacky because. This is a genre that can do things that other genres can't do. So you think about like later daters, which is like older people dating, boyfriend dungeon, where you date your weapons, Hatoful boyfriend, where you date a pigeon <laughs> or <laughs> birds, and uh, lovingly evil. Again, there's a review on the website for that, which is dating the devil. Um, they all do something different with a narrative, and it's all framed around dating but it's actually a really good narrative adventure and like a visual novel so this raptor boyfriend is again doing something differently because <laughs> you have a a friendship group which you can date uh day which magical fairy um taylor who is a mysterious bigfoot who's a guitar player and robert who is a dinosaur sports star who seems to have lost his way so the idea is that you basically date these three, a fairy, a Sasquatch, and a dinosaur, and help them solve their regular worldly issues in a high school. Now, that might sound completely bonkers, and it kind of is, but if you go to Steam and have a look at their Steam page, it is incredibly endearing, and I absolutely want to play this game when it releases at some point this year. That was the Indie Corner. Man, Squadron 51. Oh, give it to me. Oh, yes. Absolutely. That looks so, so good. We're going to fight over that one when it comes. I think I already bagged it, didn't I? Oh, oh. my God. Here he comes. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> From the shadows. For sake. Out of nowhere. Oh, yeah, it's my lad. Sorry about that. Yeah. 
Bastards. I remember when it was, when it was first announced, it was coming to PC and there was no console announcement with it. And I think we all said, I really hope that comes to console. And then, you know, just a couple of months later, there we are. It's coming to everything this year. Yep. Awesome news. Very exciting. All uh, right, then. Don't go anywhere, Sean, because it's time for the quiz answers. Okay, then. Let's do this. Question one. In which game did you originally have to press F to pay back? Uh, Toby. Uh, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Correct. Yes. Question two. It's the only game I've played at Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> oh, and um, Black Ops 2, actually. There you go. Okay. Question two. Which 2020 game came with the optional Kurosawa mode, named after the acclaimed Japanese director Akira Kurosawa? Uh, Paul. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Shishima, don't pronounce it. Goes to Shishima, correct. Uh, question three In which game do you hunt a serial killer called the Origami Killer? Uh, Ross? Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain is correct. Yes. Question four In which 2005 game might you encounter players, characters called Silk Fox, Black Whirlwind, Spirit Monk, and Death's Hand? Toby? Um, that was Jade Empire. Jade Empire oh, is correct. Man. Cool game. Fucking crossed it out. What a dickhead. <laughs> Question five. What is the name of the 2014 Xbox One exclusive game that was developed by Insomniac Games? Paul? Uh, was it Sunset Overdrive? Sunset Overdrive is correct. Uh, Question six. Cat shit. Overdrive. Question six. Which voice actor has credits for performances in 2018's God of War? Fortnite Battle Royale, Destiny 2, and Assassin's Creed 3. Uh, Ross? See, the only voice I know from Fortnite is Troy Baker. But I don't th- it's not Troy Baker, is it? It's Nolan North. Ah, son of a bitch! Oh, bollocks. Oh, sweet, I guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way of Googling that question anyway, the way they worded that. Impossible. So, who's, uh, who's, uh, who's Nolan in Fortnite? I have no idea. Me neither, I, I just guessed it. <laughs> I, w- I went down his his list of credits and was like, okay, I didn't What's know the weirdest games, yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently he was Agent Jones before Troy Baker was Agent Jones. <laughs> you are kidding! You are kidding! In <laughs> uh, Okay. Are there any um, other bloody voice actors in the world? <laughs> is there any games that he's not been a voice in? <laughs> uh, okay. Question seven: What is the name of the ex villain turned cowardly hero that has appeared in every mainline Ratchet and Clank game? Uh, Toby. Uh, Captain Quark. Captain Quark is correct. Uh, question eight. Uh, which of these villages doesn't feature on the box art of Animal Crossing New Horizons? Is it Tom Nook, KK Slider, or Fuchsia? Paul. Well, the only character I know is Tom Nook, so I've got Tom Nook. So. Uh, Tom Nook is incorrect. Paul. Uh, sorry. <laughs> you had a one in three chance, you know? Yeah, I took a chance. Uh, Ross? KK Slider, this was a long bone of contention for me and my partner at the time when the game released. Furious that he wasn't on the cover. That is correct. KK Slider was not on the box art. Mm. Okay, uh, question nine. Name any of the teams that the player must join in Pokemon Go. Toby? Uh, Mystic. Mystic is correct. So you can have, if if you've written down any of these three, you can have a point. Instinct, Valor, or Mystic. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Team, Team Rocket, Rocket is not an attack. Well, fuck that shit. Of course it is. Team Rocket should have been. I'll give you that. It should have been, yeah. But it's not. You can get T-shirts and all kinds of crap with it. I'm, uh, can, can I just say I'm one question away from getting 10 out of 10? Oh, my God. You can't just say it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get Animal okay. Crossing? The, the, I got KK Slider because it's the one I haven't heard of. And so it's not on a cover. That made sense to me. So I got it. Oh, logical thought. I like it. See, yeah, I, I got one more. Go and have sex with a wolf, you bloody fairy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question 10. What is the highest selling arcade game of all time? Was it Space Invaders, Pac-Man, or Street Fighter 2? Paul? Pac-Man. Pac-Man is correct. Well done. Yes. Oh, thank God for that. So, how, did you, how many did you get, Toby? Uh, I got 10. Ross, can you beat 10? No. Can you come close to 10? No, I got six in the end. I'm really disappointed. I thought I had this one in the bag a little bit. Six isn't bad, though. This was a Nef- particularly tricky t- quiz, I think. So, Ratchet, who, how many games has Nefarious been in the Ratchet? Nefarious? Um, um, two. A number of them. Two or three. Towards but the not end. all of them. Uh, he's not, he's not a, a uh, ex-villain turned cowardly hero. Uh, he's just a villain. Oh, oh I should have guessed by the name. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Uh, okay, okay, Paul, how many, how many did you get? Oh, I got six as well. Well, Toby wins. Toby whoop, whoop. pulls into the lead by two. Ugh. That's that's impressive. I mean, Toby's you know during this late and is by two four runner. Yeah, I'm not sure how. I'm not sure where the two is because didn't you draw last time? No, no, Greg and was Paul. He... We 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 talked about this at the start <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not to give Paul the points. <laughs> I'm at the very least, I'm drawn with everyone now. Yeah. So oh, it's, yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's one 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 zero. I'm I'm still yet to win. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Anyway, that's my first ten out of ten. I'm very happy with this week. Well, well done, Toby. Ron Tobes. Bravo. I'm still a little uh, suspicious about that Animal Crossing question, but it's right. <laughs> it's because I'd heard of Tom Nook and I'd heard of Future. So I thought, KK, well, KK Slider's the dog with the guitar. Is it? <laughs> See, yeah. I don't even, I've never heard of KK Slider, so I thought, well, that kind of You've got a, Right, thank you, Sean. Pleasure. A treat, as always. Uh, right, uh, Toby, if you're getting 10 out of 10, you get to read out what's out this week. Yay. Yay. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, so, starting from the 17th of January, when we're recording this, and it goes out on the 18th. So, first games that are out are the 19th of January, um, a game called Toronos, which is an indie game coming out on Xbox One. And then uh, on to January the 20th, uh, Hitman 3, coming to all major consoles. Um, Terratopia on PC, Xbox One, and probably some other stuff as well, I think, that one. We've got a review coming for Terratopia at some point, Sean? Yes. Cool. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks Sorry. for that. <laughs> 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 um, and on the January 20th as well, a game called Marble Duel coming to Xbox One. And then on January the 21st, it got a game called Shing, which, was com- which came out on Steam uh, recently. Um, it's coming to consoles. Uh, Tadpole Treble is coming to Switch. Uh, Ride 4, again, is coming to major consoles. And Unspottable. Um, that looks like a strange game with a kid punching a guy in the face. Very voxel thing with lots of blood coming out, little squares. Um, that's coming to Xbox One. 
a game called Ender Lilies Quietus of the Nights. It's also coming out on that day, um, coming out on PC. And then on January 22nd, uh, Red Out Space Assault coming to PS4, Xbox One. Adverse coming out on consoles. Gravity Heroes coming out on PS4 and PC. Uh, Bladed Fury coming out on PS4 and Switch. Um, I was interested in that one, but I'm not sure if we're going to get a copy of that necessarily. Uh, I've probably murdered the pronunciation of this. Utoware Rumano. Utoware Rumano Prelude to the Fallen coming out on PC. And lastly, Skycadia coming out on Xbox One. So there's not a whole lot apart from the big ones is um, Hitman 3 and possibly Ride 4. Um, but mostly pretty small stuff really this week. Week off. It's, it's January, isn't it? It's the January lull when you don't get a huge amount of big stuff. Yeah. Hitman's a big one though. Yeah. Sean, are you going to break out the VR headset to try some Hitman levels in VR? Probably will do. I'm just cool. going to try. I, I, I ordered my connection for my PS5 VR headset thing. It's not arrived yet, so oh right, yeah, of course. The PS4 off. Ah, Jesus okay. Christ! I'm going to have to turn the PS4 on and just get my hair blown away again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a that's a cool VR experience. I'd imagine <laughs> doing Hitman. So yeah, so. probably definitely worth checking out. Uh, thanks, Dubs. Right. That is it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all very much indeed for listening to the Fingers podcast this week. We'll be back next week with more gaming goodness. But until then, don't forget to follow us in the link tree below. We have, well, we're bloody everywhere. So if you know of a social network that we're not on, do let us know and we'll get on it because you know we want to be everywhere. We haven't started a TikTok yet, Sean. We need to do that. Uh, yeah, we're not on Signal. Or... No. <laughs> no. We're not on any right wing leaning. <laughs> we're not on Parlor. We're not on Signal. We're, we're not good. on Parlor. Oh fuck! We um, should be on Parlor. I mean, Parlor's gone now. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, and never mind. We missed that boat, didn't we? Damn it! I'm never really mind. glad we we stayed on the show for that one. I'll be honest. <laughs> I don't enough hate mail. Yeah. I don't need it anymore. <laughs> Well, if you really like what we do, you can uh, go over to our Patreon, which is now two years old, if you can believe it. And um, yeah, for one pound a month, you can support us, keep the podcast up on its various hosting services and keep the website nice and shiny. Months ago, our website got completely wiped of all of its content, which was really devastating. Um, but we came back and we refilled it with a lot of awesome stuff and made the website look a little different. But now we've gone back to the theme that we had beforehand. And it looks great. Nice work, Paul, as ever. So we'll, uh, yeah, if you do want to check it out, go and do so. Fingerguns.net, of course. But until then, it is goodbye from Paul Collett. See you. Goodbye from Toby Anderson. Sayonara. Goodbye from Mr. Sean Davies. Products. And goodbye from me. We'll see you next time on the Fingerguns Podcast. <laughs>